Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Under the Table, uh. title which uh, Josh doesn't like. Speaking of Josh, we're interviewing him this week, so let's dive right into things. Cue the WebDM music. I mean, the Table Quest music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another discussion. Uh, today I have with me Josh. Well, he's not physically with me because... You don't know that. That's true. They don't. <laughs> Just take our word for it. You have to trust yes, us. we are in the same room. Definitely. Yes. Um, we will be in a few days. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Uh, the masterful editor of table quest and also you probably know him better as keth um so uh, who is this guy yeah <laughs> who are you what what is what this where me he's doing keth things awesome or <laughs> you also know him as the uh disembodied voice that interjects when i'm trying to explain something or describe a scene that we constantly have to shoo away from the the if the, the 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 back to the ethereal plane can't help it you guys are just too interesting <laughs> um so yeah we're going to be talking a little bit about uh Kath in general um how did he you did what was some inspiration, just kind of uh, what what inspired Kath, um, and getting some uh, background info on how Josh likes to play D anD. d We've d depending on the order of things, we've already had similar discussions with the the other members of the of table quests. So uh, it's finally, Josh's turn. <laughs> yeah, when we both have a minute of free time. When I'm not editing and he's not doing life things. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess uh, the best place to start is, well, I mean, we could start at the end, but... Uh, the death of Kevin. So, yeah, thanks for uh, having this interview. Like, thanks for, you know, uh, <laughs> letting me interview you. And, uh, well, no. Uh, <laughs> and that's a wrap. So, yeah, that's it. We're done. Um, <laughs> no, um, so what was, I, I guess the, what, bleh, what was the initial inspiration for Kath? Uh, how did you come up with the, well, I guess you should, you could explain, uh, kind of the generic concept of Kath as it stands now and maybe what the inspiration for that was. So, uh, as a reminder for everyone, I play Keth, who is a half-orc monk. And no, this is not my first D&D character, even though some of you are probably going, what is he doing? Um, also, if you don't know who I am, I don't know why you're listening to this now. You should probably listen to the show first. Yeah. <laughs> and, and catch up to whatever the most recent episode is. 
yeah there, but. there's go- we're going to be talking about events that happen in the campaign so yeah. like if you if you're not at least caught up to uh episode what 35 i think 35 36 th- 35 36 I, we've at least there. recorded 36 so yeah uh so since uh kef is not my first uh character i've played other D characters before uh, and I wanted to try and uh, branch out and play not the same character every time, or not the, like the same class every time, or the same race every time. Uh, I hadn't. I had yet to play a monk, and I wanted to play a monk. Monks looked cool. They were, they seemed really cool on paper. Like I want to play a monk. I like the the flavor elements of of a monk, and I'm like, okay, well, I could just be like something. I could I could min max it and be. Uh, something that gives uh, be a race that gives a bonus to dexterity and uh, I think w- wisdom are the monk stats and really yeah. min max it. But I'm like, you know what? I, I want to do something a little more challenging. Let's go. Just let's pick something that doesn't make any sense. Being a monk, half orc, perfect. This big hulking brute of a th- of a being who is actually very agile and uh, dexterous. Uh, I like the uh, the subversion of expectations. To uh, use a phrase that some on this podcast are probably cringing. Nate. <laughs> <over. laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> yeah. Well. <laughs> so I find that interesting. So the uh, the the idea. Did you pick the like race and class pairing before you came up with the uh, like his whole backstory with his clan, or did you kind of have that in mind as you're pairing things up? I typically save the backstory last, okay. unless I'm basing it off of a pre-existing character. Like okay. I, uh, I was in a, a 20th level campaign with a different group of friends for a few sessions over this last summer, where I pretty much tried to. Uh, as accurately as I could play a level 20 Thor, which in which case I already had the backstory. It was just a matter of figuring right. out how it fits into D and D mechanics. Yeah. Uh, but for all of my own original characters, I usually create the character first and then figure out whatever the backstory is that would make sense for what this character is. Uh, since this isn't my first character, uh, my very first character, I knew I wanted to, I was just introduced to D and D. This was, pretty much right around when 5th edition came out. I think it was like 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. Uh, well, this is a, that wasn't my first introduction to D&D, but that was the first time I actually got serious and like actually wanted to start playing with a group. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw I could play as a dwarf, and I said, you know what, that's it. I want to play as a dwarf. I want to hit things, because I like hitting things. Like uh, I like the, the, uh, the arms and armor aspect more than the magic aspect of D yeah. personally it's just i just like the weapons and such as mm-hmm. uh as a personal favorite so i'm like all right i'm gonna play a dwarf i'm gonna play a fighter okay perfect done write all the ability scores down write all the abilities he has the features traits uh and then come up with some backstory and then that was it it was my first character ready to go i was really excited to play him uh all of my characters after that i since i the one i really wanted to play was a dwarf and i got that out of the way all my characters after that, I pick class first. Like, all right, okay. I already played a fighter. Let's play something different. Uh, I kind of like the idea of healing a party, so I'll play as a cleric this time. And so I played a cleric. 
uh, my next character, I <laughs> I went cleric again, but I multiclassed into paladin. Right. Uh, and then uh, you have Kef, who I'm like, you know what, monks look cool. I want to play as a monk. And uh, after Keth, I had Ithar for a little bit for the side quest. Because right. like, I've never played a wizard, and everyone seems to think they're really cool. So I guess I'll play a wizard in D&D, finally. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and I cast a lot of spells. Yep. And it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um. So I find it I find it interesting that you're you're like really big into like the arms and armor type thing, and you're playing a monk who, like basically shouldn't or doesn't you really use weapons all that much like no, they get they, bonuses they can to... use weapons they have monk weapons it's armor yeah, they stay fair. away from for the most part yeah that's true i mean aside from the medieval fantasy sword shield concept which is most of dnd yeah. monks uh, offer up that uh, asian martial arts fantasy which is not this right it doesn't overlap medieval fantasy very much so i can enjoy both <laughs> of them separately yeah so i also enjoy the asian martial arts theme on like okay. of a monk also yeah i had gotten into avatar the last airbender again and wanted to play a monk <laughs> <laughs> before it came out on netflix yeah because obviously the show has been going for longer than that has been on netflix right yeah so yeah i'm like you know what we're gonna play a monk so I, I played a monk, and then I had to pick a race to go with the monk. Like, well, and then I already explained how I came to that conclusion. Right. Uh, and then I rolled the rolled up the stats. Which, I, yeah, we rolled for these, right? Yeah. 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 46 uh, the lowest. Yeah, I, I think it was... I, I don't even remember at this point. I know it was 46. So I don't remember if I did, like, seven rolls and drop lowest again. Like the you roll seven yeah, stats, yeah, yeah. whatever. And then you drop your lowest total. Yeah. Because I know um, I did that for our upcoming project, but I don't think that was like a sort of that's like a not that's something that people you don't usually do because it tends towards more higher powered characters. Right. The more uh, more chances you get to roll a higher value, the, yeah. the higher powered characters can tend to be. Right. But then I get these, I rolled the numbers, um, knowing what the racial bonuses were for half-orc, which I think was plus two strength. Yeah. And then um, I had to figure out where to put all of these numbers that I rolled, <laughs> which I don't have the original numbers because I've obviously updated my character sheet since we've hit level five. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, obviously I was going to get a big boost to strength, which doesn't help me at all being a monk. Right. So I'm like, well... I don't want to put, like, even though he's a big half-orc, I don't want to put a decent number into strength and even get a plus two out of it because it doesn't help me play right. the character at all. Yeah. So I ended up putting my, my high score in dex, obviously. Right, yeah. And uh, and, so, and uh, I proceeded to place the rest of them, and uh, I think I got ahead in uh, 10. And I put the 10 in strength. Which made it a twelve, which is still a plus one, so it's right. still like he's stronger than an average person. Right. Yeah. But he's not uh, a big muscle-bound orcish brute. Yeah. And then, then, judging from his ability scores, I have to gener I have to explain why he's this way. Like, you expect the half orc to be the big, strong, hulking man, and right, um, he's not. He has a strength of twelve. 
Right, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, why is he this way? And so I had to come up with the whole uh, story of, okay, well, maybe he's m- more in touch with the human half of him than uh, the orc half. And right. he's the runt of his litter, so he's got that going for him as kind of like an underdog sort of situation. Yeah. And then obviously he went to a monastery, so he had training, which is why his, his dex is, and his intelligence and his wisdom are so high for a half-orc, which are not mm-hmm. known to be incredibly smart, which you could tell via his broken common. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when he speaks in orcish, it all sounds normal, other than the accent, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that was that was the plan the whole time, but nobody, of course, nobody else in the party understands Orkish, nor have we right. come across anyone that needs to be spoken to in Orkish, so right. it's not 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 come up very often, anyways. Yeah, like that's uh, that, that's one of the like I guess part of the challenges, um, and I guess one of one of the themes that I feel like. At least I could play on a lot more as the whole fish out of water kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, theme, because Keth is really like basically is a really good candidate for like playing on that theme a little bit more because like he mostly knows Orcish, like that's his most comfortable language. Uh, he's going to be largely in a like a bunch of different places that don't um, aren't familiar like too much. Uh, or aren't like overly populated with um, half orcs or even orcs to that extent. Um, and he wasn't. He's not from where the where the campaign is taking place. Right up near Red Lark and Waterdeep. He's from yeah. much farther south than there. So he's he himself has not hardly ever been to these places in the in the first place. Yeah. And the monastery is nowhere near here. <laughs> yeah, where he learned all of his training. So. Yeah, he's. This is all brand new. Well, it's mostly brand new to him. Yeah, yeah. Like he he learned a lot about this stuff in books, but books can only teach you so much. Right. The world's not in your books and maps, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> it's out there. So, um, I myself often make stat choices based off of um, like flavor reasons rather than um like what would be best from a doing things the proper way for my class I'll say um not to say I like being ineffective in battle or something like yeah. that but um I'll put a 12 into my wisdom as a druid <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah we touched on that with Jake's interview <laughs> I assumed you probably would so <laughs> yeah um at least a little bit I don't think we I don't think we expounded upon it too much but um we we did touch on the fact that he when he was playing Barnum like his stat line was not uh not optimized for Drew not op- definitely not optimized <laughs> for that didn't um, he have like a, a decent dex though uh I thought his dex was good but his wisdom was not ideal i don't remember maybe so he could use his weapons well but none of his druid yeah. things yeah yeah well. I th- I, it was either like strength or dex that he like he was really good at but he really i think it was strength because okay. i don't think he realized that druids were like no no no. these are basically like forest wizards they're not yeah, like yeah. <laughs> i mean there are subclasses of druid that can be more physical combat wise but uh, for the most part, like you're going to be casting a lot of spells, and many of those spells will have saving throws determined yes. by your spellcasting modifier. 
which is wisdom. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, oftentimes I'd like a, a, thir- a DC 13 wisdom right. check or whatever. Yeah. That people um, have to overcome. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess what I'm, what I was. Hmm. No, I, you were I, saying how you pick your stats for flavor, which is kind of what I did. Yeah. I had, um, my highest was dex because I'm playing a monk and I need dex. So that was, that one was going with the class, obviously. I put mm-hmm. a decently high constitution, so I had good hit points, so I don't die all the time, which is another mechanic choice, not a flavor choice. Right. But I did roll an eight, and I had to put the eight somewhere, obviously. I yeah. could have played into the stereotype and made eight intelligence and make him dumb, but I figured right. that doesn't make sense if he's a monk, because he would have gone and got training. He knows three languages, one of which is Elvish, so right. obviously he's not dumb. So he must know something. So I can't put the eight into intelligence. And I need wisdom, again, as a monk uh, ability for some of the the, the monk uh, spells that I can cast. Even though they're not spells, but yeah, yeah. The, the key empowered uh, abilities that monks get. Right. Uh, elemental monks get, uh, which of which I am one. So I'm like, I shouldn't really put it into wisdom either. So I landed on charisma. So, ah, yes, obviously. It's a half orc who doesn't know anything about where he is currently, and yeah. most people don't like him anyways, or at least wary of him, because he's a half orc. Right. Yeah. I, I guess this can kind of bridge into one of the, one of the other um, thing questions, I guess. Um, but those those little like quirks about your character with the uh, with regards to stat line is honestly what I really like that I think makes characters unique. Um, even if you play the same class or like combination class race whatever, um, it's the stat line that can kind of dictate your your character's initial like mark or flavor. Um, Especially if you're not all using if not everybody in the party is using standard array, or maybe right. even point by to a less extent but if everybody rolls and gets unique results then you could all play very similar classes and races but have vastly different characters based on what numbers you get i still want to run like either i i still want to play in a campaign where everyone's a bard and we everyone just chooses like a different, different college college yeah <laughs> Like maybe that that might be like a, a a one shot idea that we might need. Like I'd be fine even just DMing that. Like that that would be that would be a blast to try and figure out how okay how the heck does this work and just watch the chaos from there. But well, that sort of thing wouldn't really lend itself well to uh, at least the experiment wouldn't lend itself well to a one shot unless you have because most of the uh, like the decks. And whatever the spellcasting ability is for a bard, which is charisma. charisma. So dex, yeah. and, dex and charisma are going to be pretty high for all of them, no matter what they roll, because they're right. going to put their highest numbers into those. So yeah. the actual deficiencies of the character will be in the other stats, like uh, intelligence and wisdom, and which is mostly coming up during like a social interaction or, right. or an RP interaction. Yeah. So which would lend itself more to like. Uh, at least a few sessions worth of yeah, material not not necessarily a one shot to be able like to actually have those meaningful interactions. Aside yeah. from, hey, you know this person, they're asking you to do a thing, you go do the yeah. thing. 
Yeah. I guess when I th- when I say one shot, I'm thinking like <laughs> a side quest Nick's one shot. Side side quest <laughs> one shot, which is actually like four sessions, but uh, I think it was only three because I think it was only yeah, six I think episodes. it was three. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot where we were going with this. Uh, we the were talking about stats and, and stuff. Yeah, and stat lines. I guess one of my, like I said, one of my favorite things is how you can take like one of those um, deficient, like stat deficiencies and kind of figure out how you play it off in character. Like uh, you were talking earlier before about how um, you needed to come up with a reason why like this half work like is not super duper strong. Like he's he's stronger than the average person. But I mean, that's kind of expected with a But Lucas is stronger than him as a halfling. Right, exactly. Lucas has a strength of 18, because he needs that for a fighter. Right. Whereas I don't need a high strength to be a monk, so my strength is 12. (laughs) I think figuring out how to flavor that, like you you basically saying that Kef is the runt of of the litter, and um, kind of the story that started from that is really interesting. Um, Yeah, I try to use my backstory to explain oddities about this especially the stats since the stats are usually the weirdest thing about a character especially right. if you're rolling yeah because i i know that what, what what game was it was it nate's game that he's doing where we uh somebody got like three eights <laughs> i was think that, i got like a seven a seven and an eight <laughs> or was that no wait that's a, isn't that his eyes stat line has like a nine and a ten and an eleven and then uh, <laughs> and then one 14 and then like an eight or something that yeah that's a that's a zaya stat line yeah I'm yeah yeah certain. so I, if i was if i rolled a zaya stat line and i've got like one and a half good scores and then three yeah. really bad scores and one mediocre score i would use the backstory to, to explain why this character is so weird stat wise mm. yeah just try to do that yeah yeah i i think that's a uh, that's interesting because like i i started to do that without realizing it probably the biggest example is in one of the one of the campaigns that were a part in that is not for table quests the other campaign (laughs) the the other campaign um like i yeah except we're speaking Um, of it right now (laughs) yeah exactly my my character has like garbage stats like most of them are just absolute trash wait are you talking uh, about yashin because yashin's been in this campaign no 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 i'm talking about my upcoming my uh, character for nate's one. campaign okay. all right um but uh like my my character is just like garbage stats but um, I've started to like basically ex- use that backstory to explain some of the reasons. For example, I think his intelligence is like a seven. <laughs> yeah, he did not go to uh, school for very long. He knows, uh, he knows how to read and write, and that's it. No, 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 no. So my my the 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 thing that I'm playing off my character is my character is illiterate. He doesn't know how to read. Okay, never mind. He doesn't know how to read and write. Yeah. So like instead of like the. Um, I, I I like that because it's basically putting a, a kind of a self restriction on on my character that I think will prevent or not prevent present uh, interesting like role play uh, situations where it's just like I can't read this. 
but you speak perfect common. Doesn't matter. I can't read what this says. Exactly. Um, Which is, I think, when you get your uh, language proficiencies, uh, I think in the book, at least, it says you're proficient enough to read and write X language. Yeah, I'm... In the same way that I'm proficient, that. that Keth is proficient in reading and writing common and Elvish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I speak good. Me speak common good. Yeah. Me translate Elvish for party. <laughs> Angry wizard, magic door, uh, spells. That I love that part. <laughs> I have to say, like that was that was just beautiful. Um, because from a role play perspective, you are compounding his textbook level knowledge of yeah. Elvish translation, which uh, I don't I I don't know exactly how he would have translated it if he would have in his head translated the Elvish to Orcish first. So he understood it. And then from yeah. Orcish into common to speak it to somebody else. Right. Or if he went straight from Elvish to common. But it's taking that basic level of Elvish grammar and vocabulary. Yeah. And in taking in taking that as your input and then outputting a basic understanding of common linguistics right <laughs> it just compounds the whole thing to be what it was right exactly that that scene i think is just i i, I really like it for multiple reasons the fact that you're the only one that knew how to read elvish uh was i, I Honestly, that was just icing on the cake. I, I I don't think that was planned. Like, I think that's technically... Well, I know you didn't ask like, me what languages I knew up until yeah, yeah. you asked if I could read this. Or I right. asked if I could read it. Yeah. Um. So the fact that it just kind of worked out that way is just one of the things I love about this game. You throw mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. into situations that just, like, give you just amazing roleplay opportunity. Which is... Probably due to the fact that this is a role-playing game. Right. Unlike yeah. fourth edition, which is <laughs> which is a, a dice combat rolling game. game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we talked a little bit about kind of Keth's inspiration. We touched on some of his backstory. We've touched on some of your a little bit of your player philosophy as how you like allocate stats and stuff. So Another thing is, like, uh, when you're crafting a character, and, like, I'm ta- I'm not talking about, like, just initial character creation, but, like, as you play them throughout whatever, like, campaign you're As you in. develop a character? Yeah, de- developing a character. Um, what is some of your favorite parts to tinker with or to, like, consider, change, or um, I-, I guess mess around with when it comes to, like, fleshing out your character? Well, I mean, the game provides you a way of tinkering and editing your uh, numerical values. Because you get ability score increases every fourth level. Right. And you get new features, traits, abilities when you level up in your classes. So those parts are already baked into the game. So the only thing that is really up to me to change how I... Uh, play the character would be the uh, personality mm-hmm. which uh, on the 5th edition character sheet every sheet has a little section which most people like to gloss over the personality <laughs> traits, ideals, spawns, and flaws which you pick when you make the character you write them down or maybe you don't mm-hmm. I don't know maybe you just leave them blank because you think they're dumb 
but they really try i try and write them down uh most of them out of the book because i like i find that the ones that are in the book are pretty much fine unless they don't fit specifically what i'm going for then i'll make one up uh right. i'll write them down and i'll refer back to them to uh to try and inform how i would how keth excuse me how keth would respond to the situation and then trying to convey how he would respond to the rest of the party via my own acting choices right uh that that's really where the uh, whole the whole meat and potatoes is yeah i I find that interesting because like um at least as a uh I am one of those people that completely glosses over that uh, section, but I, f- I feel like I... Because you're not an actor like Nick and I. Well... And even Nate to an extent. Yeah, but, like, it, I guess it's not so much that I gloss over that section, like, in practicality. It's just that I... Like, I, I do basically fill out those that, that section. It's just I don't, like, think about it in the structure, that quite the structured way that, um, de- like, the, the character sheet pre- presents. Um, typically, like, my character has some sort of goal or has some sort of, like, I, I basically think of it as goal, internal conflict, and, um, which, and... Uh, like, I, I guess cause that he's sympathetic to, which basically translates into uh, goal. <laughs> bond goal oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. bonds, uh, ideals, fl- ideals, bonds, and flaws. Um, so I, I, I just think that's funny. Like, I, I, I don't think about it that way. I guess like pulling it from the book, but I, I do very much essentially fill out those specific um, questions when it comes to character creation. I guess uh, we can we can kind of jump into, has playing Keth kind of gone as you expected it to? Were there any, like, differences or changes that you... Um, kind of experienced as you as you began to feel out the character because i know um at least personally the difference between like crafting the character initially and then actually like throwing it into a campaign and actually using it there's like there's definitely some things i've either cut or changed or decided to move away from um once like i've actually started to be in that character's shoes which, if your character stayed the same personality-wise from beginning to campaign to the end of the campaign, you're not playing that character correctly. <laughs> that is Other, true. Unless you're going for a very cardboardy character. Yeah. A very wooden plank-like character. Right. But like, most of the just... time, that's not someone's goal, because it's not a right. very interesting character. Right. I mean, there's there's something to be said about, like, a character that, you know, just wants to see the world and go out on an adventure, but that, like, most of the time, your character will have to pr- at least, like, grow or change, or at, at least, like, kind of well, uh, yeah, show themselves off, off to They'll go be... off on their adventure, but in so doing, they'll learn things and see things, and uh, they'll come back a changed person. <laughs> right, exactly. They shouldn't have that same happy-go-lucky, let's go on an adventure, and then three right. layers deep into the undermountain go, getting face to face with the beholder and come out of the undermountain and go 
all right, let's go off to the next adventure. Right. Because <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Is the initial like kind of party dynamic kind of what you expected for Kath? Uh, I'll preface this by saying Kef is my first, uh, at least on paper, lawful neutral character. All yeah. of my all of my other characters have been good and either mm -hmm. neutral or chaotic good. Yeah. Mostly neutral. I don't think I have any. Well, that's not true. I have one lawful good character. Uh, but most of my characters have been neutral good or maybe chaotic good occasionally. So mm -hmm. Kef being a lawful neutral is... Uh, is something new for me trying to play a lawful neutral character, which I know I, I looking back, I can see I'm, I'm tending more and more towards that lawful good, maybe, or at least neutral. I'm tending, I'm, I'm turning more and more towards good instead of neutral. Where yeah. I was like, yes, let's help these people because they need our help. Where in true lawful neutral fashion would be more like, well, that's their problem, but that's not a very compelling, like, all right, well, how do you get this person to, do anything in this campaign that i've set up right so it's trying trying to uh play it play an interesting character who doesn't always fall into the the good category or lawful good neutral good whatever kind of good yeah. it is uh which i'm i'm gonna try and pull more into the lawful neutral without becoming entirely standoffish which is the the pitfall that that becomes right well, I guess maybe more if I was playing true neutral, which I'm not. True neutral could could tend to fall into a more of a this is the way it is meant to be sort of thing, and what a, who am I to change it? This is the this is the way the world works, right? But that's not what I'm going for with Keth. So yeah, I think like when you hit neutral, it's really interesting because like you'll get scenes like the uh, interrogation back uh episode 20 something or other yeah yeah we have no idea how any of you listeners thought about it because nobody seems to uh, want to share how they feel about our yeah. show <laughs> but i know from uh other party members as uh when when we well, to remind everybody, we were in Jonathan's cave. Yeah. And it was on fire. And Jonathan and um, Chris, Christopher were missing with a trail of blood uh, that ends in the three bandits or yeah, whatever they were. Yep, yep. Three, uh, three bad guys at the end yeah. of the trail of blood with no Jonathan or Christopher to be found anywhere. And then we interrogate, well, we beat them up a little bit. I think every I think all I think they all survived initially. Maybe one uh, maybe one dropped. One dr the like the wimp that ran away initially like just tried to bolt, I think died. Okay, but, so we had two um, out of the three of them alive. Yeah. Uh the party interrogated them. I don't exactly remember what specific information we found out other than that Jonathan and Christopher weren't there. Uh, yeah. Whether or not they were dead or something, I don't think they they wanted to tell us. Or so I'm not entirely certain of the details now. I think the they mentioned that they were captured, or at least they got uh, they captured Christopher. Yeah, they but definitely I don't they believe... captured Christopher, but they didn't give us anything about Jonathan. Right. Um. At which point we concluded the interrogation, and uh, Keth asked the should be famous question: 
is it a surprise round if they don't expect it? <laughs> <laughs> At which point he cast Burning Hands uh, once, dropped one of them instantly, and quarterstaffed the other one to death. Yeah. Which I would definitely consider not a uh, good, via the alignment chart, action. Right. So, that that's that was like the only blatantly obvious, not specifically good thing that Keth has done. At right. least to, <laughs> that I can think of offhand. Right. Um. But and then we we all walked away and nobody. Uh, I was I never got to uh, sort of explain myself in character or out of character. Really. Right. I think the, like, the, I, I guess unpacking that scene is that, like, we as characters, we as, like, players were, I I guess, I, I was privy to what you were doing, because I kind of, like, once I picked up what you were, um, what was going on, I kind of, which, kind of understood what which, was going on. What you picked up was not exactly what I was going for either, but it worked just yeah. as well, and I should have thought of that. Yeah. Um... Is this a spot I could I could explain myself? Is, yeah, can I explain go myself for here? it. <laughs> all yeah. right. Let me justify my actions of murdering two people to all of you. Yeah. If you've listened to episode zero, specifically the part that Kef does in episode zero, and went through the whole backstory, uh, you know that orcs and half orcs uh, have the influence of Grumsh, the uh, orcish god of slaughter, who will always tend to push them towards bloodlust. Obviously, Keth is not evil. Uh, at least I'm not trying to play him as evil. Uh, in fact, he's new lawful and neutral, both of which are kind of going against that whole half-orc orc nature that uh, the influence of Grumsh presents. So uh, he's trying to suppress that influence, and he doesn't want to be that mindless killing machine that most of his family and uh, are, and kinfolk are. Uh, which is where Jeremy thought I was going with it. Like, ah, yes, the influence of Grumsh cracks through the defense, and I just go bananas on these guys and take and kill them. Right. Which is which is a good interpretation, and I do like it. But uh, in the moment, that isn't actually what I was thinking. It was more along the lines of... <laughs> okay. Uh, we had followed this trail of blood to these three guys with none of the allies in sight. Yeah. They captured Jonathan. They didn't say anything about... Or they captured Christopher. They didn't say anything about Jonathan. So we're going to assume that this blood is belonging to Christopher, Christopher and or Jonathan. Uh, and we don't know where Jonathan mm-hmm. is. So it's possible he could be dead or at least heavily wounded. Um, and at this point, we had already figured out that Heathcliff was in league with the cultists. And Heathcliff was the main authority figure of the, the town, Redlark. So we can't exactly bring them in to face punishment because they're in league with the person giving the punishment and they probably murdered one person. So murder for murder and the Heathcliff's not going to dish out any justice of any kind since he's in league with them. Seems like a perfectly fair solution to me. At me as in Keth, not me as in Josh. Right, right. You're, <laughs> you're, you're tying up loose ends because you can't take these guys back to the authorities because yeah, we can't it's... take them back to Heathcliff because Heathcliff will just let them go and won't right. do anything about them. Right. And we can't just let them walk away either because they have very likely murdered someone. 
Right. So what's the what's the punishment for murder? Uh, death sentence via burning hands and a quarterstaff. Right. Um. And it, it's funny because it it mirrors kind of like the. <laughs> I guess my my one of my initial inexperience moments where we I just freaking kill Malik the uh uh the necromancer. Yeah, Heathcliff just he <laughs> executes this man in yeah. his back room, no public trial. All right. So, so I'm like this is what Heathcliff would have done anyways even before we knew that he was working with them and then right. he wouldn't have done it. But <laughs> if this is the kind of justice that this man meets out uh this is perfectly in line he's just gonna do it when we get back anyways right except he isn't because he's working with them yeah yeah um and so it's just like (laughs) it's i don't know like uh, on the one hand that was like kind of flubbing the 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 dm thing for a little like i yeah uh it's not too much of a flub because there's some reasoning behind it but like it's just it came across weird because Heathcliff Uh, at that point at the point Heathcliff killed the necromancer we still assumed Heathcliff was a lawful good sheriff of this town uh later when we found out he wasn't actually a good guy did that whole come back to us and we're like wait a second he just straight (laughs) up murdered that necromancer like first thing no questions asked right maybe since he's Heathcliff isn't a good guy, maybe that necromancer knew something on had something on him, right? That, uh, could be problematic, and so he just got rid of him without having to worry about it anymore, which yeah. makes sense if he's not a lawful good sheriff, exactly. Which he wasn't, right? It's just I probably could have played it off better, maybe <laughs> than just all right. He's dead, dead now. He's dead the sheriff now. Executes him. Yeah, in his back room. In hooks. front of the party. In yep. front of the party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, we've kind of touched on some some moments in the campaign that um, have been memorable, either for like <laughs> infamous in, like, or funny famous. or it, yeah, oh. um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Um, I'm curious to know, like, um, if you have a, like a favorite moment from playing Keth, if there's anything that stands out to you as like this, <laughs> I can't just, um, I can't just pick one. That's fair. <laughs> I can, I, I can give you a few that I can think of. I really okay. liked the, uh, the drinking contest. Yeah. Keth's first alcohol. Right. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if uh, I had greater restoration cast on me at the end of that or not. I think I may have. I think you did. And then when Isaiah got everybody the forget all of your woes alcohol, and I said, no thanks, I'm not touching alcohol ever again. Right. <laughs> I liked that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the roleplay aspect of the uh, ending the interrogation with a surprise round. Yeah. Even though... Josh did not really enjoy having to do that. Right. Because I'm not a lawful neutral or an evil person yeah, in real yeah. life. But it would have made sense for how I wanted Keth to be played. So I thought that, that was and it was it had such like a after that happened, everyone was just sort of like 
well that happened. <laughs> that that happened, a, yeah. Such a, had a, such an impact on the rest of the group that I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, for the role play aspect of it, not so much that I made everybody uncomfortable again. Right, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't like alienating my friends. Right, yeah. Um, I enjoy, enjoyed the mistranslated Elvish. Yeah, yeah. Because that's just funny. Right. I'm trying to think of some other fun bits. Yeah. But of course, um, I listen to every episode multiple times because I right. have to edit them. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's a lot of information crammed inside my brain. So I, I guess here's something. As as someone who's never played a monk, well, actually, that's not even true. I think I did, like, very briefly for a... Uh, Was it a Four Elements monk? Uh, I don't remember... I, I like I don't think I even got to pick a a subclass. So you may only um, made it to level two, Max? Yeah, actually. Um I it was like a curse it, like it was a, the Death House and the Curse of Strahd campaign. Ah, uh, yes. Uh the, the murder broom. Yeah. Um <laughs> that uh Jake told us all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that's like that uh that's my only experience playing a monk. Uh, so I never even got to a subclass. Anyways, uh, what what has been your like something your favorite part about the class, or something that you think is really cool that you uh, either have done or would like to do in the future? I'm glad I finally got to use my um, deflect missiles ability. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in, that we always seems Mert. super super cool. Like when I looked out looked at the actual monk abilities that was one that was like yeah that that that's cool and then nobody we fought had ranged weapons or right. fired them in my general direction if they did <laughs> right but that i mean i got i got to do it once and i'd love to do it more than once but, yes uh, being yeah, able yeah. to uh for uh for everybody for if you don't know uh monks get deflect missiles i think at like third level fourth level maybe something um, like that where if they are hit by a ranged attack, they may uh, roll a d10 and subtract off the um, from the damage the result of the d10 plus their monk level. And if that number, if the damage then becomes zero or less, they may instead catch the projectile, be it like a crossbow bolt or an arrow or a yeah. rock fire from a sling or etc. And then if they so choose, can spend a key point and hurl it back at the person who fired it and treat it as if it were a monk weapon so they get to use the special monk weapon damage die. Right. Uh, which which uh, increases on your level as a, as a reaction. They can uh, do that attack, which is really cool. It's, 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 it's really cool to be able to have a crossbow bolt shot at you uh, instead, catch it, spin it around masterfully in your hands, and throw it back at them. Hit right. and deal damage with it. Yeah. It's just so cool. Right, yeah. Aside from deflect missiles, I really like the the mental image, at least, which is the only image, because this is an audio-only format, right. of the, uh, the whole uh, martial arts and uh, flurry of blows uh, aspect to the monk, especially if your monk chooses to use a monk weapon, uh, which in my case I do. Right. I use a quarter staff. 
Yeah. The, the, the mental image of spinning this quarterstaff around with my attack and then getting to use an unarmed punch or kick attack as a bonus action with that mm -hmm. or two unarmed attacks if I use the flurry of blows ability, spend a key point. It's just it, it's just so monk, monk-y, martial arts-y. Yeah. Being able <laughs> to have that those quick pop, 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 pop punches from like a martial arts movie. It's just mm -hmm. really fun to do, especially now that I get uh, extra attack anyways at fifth level, and I get two quarter staff attacks and one or two uh, unarmed attacks to go with it. I can just unload into somebody like a punching bag, right? Which uh, I think is really cool to do as well. Yeah, yeah. And since I'm four elements, I get fire bending, <laughs> le legally distinct from. Yeah. But uh yeah, being able to uh shoot fire out of my hands is also kind of cool. Even though that's less of a monk thing and more of a avatar thing. But um Yeah. Kind of kind of the reason I picked uh, four elements monk. If I wanted to just punch things really good, I would have picked uh monk of the open fist, open palm. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah uh, whatever open the subclass is. Palm, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I wanted to go go for a straight punch things. And I think Kinsei Monk is better with weapons. Mm. But um, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have some some fireballs coming out of my fists. Yeah. Which I will eventually. I think 11th level I can finally use fireball. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> We're at 5th level right now, so that's a while away. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Quick, Jeremy, give us some bonus XP. <laughs> I want to hit 11th level by this time next year. Uh, that, <laughs> that's probably doable. Actually, it probably is, because this is almost our one-year anniversary. Yeah. Actually, it, we would have just had our one-year anniversary by the time this goes up. Yeah, yeah. A few weeks back. So yep. it's been one year, and we've gone from level one to level five. That's an increase of yep. four levels. Uh, and then we just have to increase it by another six to get to level 11. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. I ignoring the fact that uh, XP is a logarithmic scale. <laughs> and it grows exponentially. Well, yeah, but we've transitioned over to... Uh, to uh, uh, milestones. Milestones. Because Which so, doesn't make like, a difference when you're listening to the show, but... Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> Mechanics-wise, we have gone to Mechanics-wise, like... If the audience is going, hey, they they only fought uh, this much XP worth of encounters. Why are they at level seven now? Then uh, it's because we didn't want to be at level six anymore. Yeah, deal with it. It's our show. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, we like to play the game, and uh, so many games <laughs> go from like level one or level three up until the DM just gives up or the players lose interest or nobody can read anymore. Right. So you'll never you hardly ever play games that are beyond 11th level. Or right. I, I have only ever naturally made it to seventh level once. <laughs> that's the highest I've ever. That's my highest level. And that's in our yeah. other game from. Uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. That is the highest level I've ever been starting from like level one, level three, making it to level seven. I've never, the only other time I've played higher than that is when we started higher than that. Like, we're just going to start a game at level 10, or we're going to start a game right. at level 20. Yeah. 
So you, you hardly ever get to do those really cool things unless you're in a group that plays that has played for years. Right. Use the same characters the whole time and you've you've uh, gone all the way from level one to like level 20. And if you've right. done that, that's great. <laughs> We'd love to get there too someday. But, yeah. Uh, for now, for now, we gotta we gotta wait. Right. Especially with real life always getting in the way. Don't yeah. Have time to, to to wait until level twenty to do level twenty stuff sometimes. So. Right. If we want to be level six now, we're gonna be level six now. Right. That that's that's <laughs> kind of the thing is like with the 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 reason I changed from uh like uh from XP to milestones is that like we've been playing for a year we're only at level five like i am Which numerically is a, a, a quarter of the way through right xp wise it's probably a lot less right <laughs> but, so i mean we don't want to be sitting here for five years with table quests and like oh we finally did it we got level 20 yeah, yeah. so like <laughs> i the um the I, I guess the the move to milestones is primarily uh, prompted by uh, multiple factors. One of them being I want to be able to just say, "Okay, you guys are the next level now." You've um, done enough stuff to be considered the right. next level without having to. And like, oh no, two, you're, you're fifty XP off of your next level. Right. Ah, gotta wait. Gotta wait till yeah. next session. Um. And two, like, I want to be able to use, um, like, levels as a reward for completing, like, a major objective or, like, mm-hmm. going through a major battle or something like that um, to kind of uh, make it more, make it feel a little more like you just went through, like, a difficult trial and so you're stronger because of it rather than you punched 15 goblins, you now suddenly feel stronger. Well, I mean, even so, if if you, if we at some point in the future have this in- encounter with Xanathar or something that has to yeah, do yeah. with this uh, Undermountain storyline that we're in, uh, if we get through that whole encounter with Xanathar and then leave, if we were going by the XP system, we have a chance of not getting enough XP to actually level up, which is kind of right. anticlimactic. Like, yes, you finished this big ultimate boss battle, and you're still the same level. Right. You, you don't get anything for doing that. Yeah. You're closer, but you're not there yet. Right. Whereas with Milestone, you'd be like, you finished the big ultimate boss battle, and yeah. you get a level. That, yeah. and, like, especially with XP, I feel like it, 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 it just kind of punishes player like the, the pacing of things because if the DM wants to move things along, they're gonna cut out some encounters that would naturally give the uh, their players XP. Yeah, if you rolled um, all of the random encounters you're supposed to be rolling, we'd get the XP no problem. But then everybody would have to sit and listen through us doing right. all these random every, encounters. <laughs> yeah, every every freaking episode would be combat, and um, we would only be like halfway through what we're what we're already through now <laughs> yeah um it's like oh we gotta pause the storyline while we do some random encounters real quick yeah hold up like all right uh you guys are fighting uh more bandits and uh a bugbear all right uh this isn't relevant to the story at all and uh yeah let's go <laughs> everybody roll initiative <laughs> yeah um <laughs> that would that is what would have happened 
if Barnum didn't teleport us to, to Waterdeep, if we were yes. playing correctly, we yes. would have been five episodes in, two days away from Waterdeep, on our 20th random encounter, going, why does it have to be goblins? Right. And... <laughs> Like that's that's one of the things. Like some sometime, uh, I, I think this is primarily what prompted uh, Nate to run his campaign. Like the super grueling survival uh, ish type game. Honestly, I don't think is very well suited for the type of campaign that I'm trying to run. And or also, for the medium of a podcast. Um, I. Uh, I sort of disagree with that because I feel like if it was uh, if I didn't have quite as much of a like, OK, this is like the main if it wasn't quite as much of a guided campaign uh, where there's like an actual thing that's going on and it was more open, kind of like what Nate's trying to do. I feel like a podcast that was more like based on a campaign like that where it was more open and there wasn't really a set objective from the get go. Um, it was, I was more... more referring to the, uh, like if every, if every episode is just a grueling, slog, Oh yeah, absolutely. Then nobody's going to want to listen to that. I wouldn't want to, li- I would enjoy playing it because we don't <laughs> yeah. have to worry. We can have, we could take the fun as we want to and take it at right. our own speed. But I would guess that the general audience would, would not enjoy ha- having very, right. very little to no forward progression per hour long episode. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, uh, I, yeah, you made it another day. Yeah, and it we've would got be six more days till we get to where we're right. going. I think the like there's there's a couple like things you could play up in order to like make it more interesting, but for the most part, it would only appeal to people who are like super into D and D and like actually know the mental gymnastics that's going on in order to keep the party alive. Whereas I, I'm not going to say a, that's that that's a more in depth. Uh, listen than a, a casual well we're just right. gonna go out and fight some stuff and, and find yeah, out some information like, like where this is the the, the i guess it, it just doesn't fit the tone of fate's gambit is no. essentially yeah, what happened uh, what happened is like it kind of started out that way and it's just like you know it, it's it's not that's it, not the kind of the tone that we're setting with the campaign so it's just not really working yeah. Let's have our sheriff uh, murder the necromancer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to like character development, um, there like I've I've heard of some people who I I think are absolutely like crazy. But um We're all a little crazy. Yeah, that's fair. Um but like they're there are people that when they when they play D and D and they create a character, like they basically plan out the character's character development like i want this character to be like this at the end Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. is that like uh whereas i guess how i typically take things is i i i kind of roll with the punches and understand that my character's uh goals or like aspirations or things are going to change based off of like what happens and how that interacts with him as a person and that sort of thing um I, I guess I was wondering how how do you handle character development um, when it when it comes to like actually playing characters because 
I mean, you you do have sort of an end goal with uh, at least what Keth wants, which is he wants to, I have to restore my honor and yes. all that stuff. I don't think it's a bad thing to have an end goal in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even no. maintaining the end goal, even with all of the things that happened to the character. Right. It's always that. It's always the light at the end of the tunnel that says, all right, well, now, how do I get there after this has happened? Right. What is motivating my character? Yeah, the only thing that would change that is if some life-shattering, worldview-shattering information happens or event happens where it's like right the thing you wanted is something that you no longer want anymore yeah which um which i think could happen with keth at some point he might just realize that they kicked me out i don't need their approval anymore even though as of right now he he still wants it he wants to show them that he can he can do it he can be just as strong as they are even if he's not actually as like physically as strong as they are yeah that that is his end goal as of right now, but it t- entirely could be changed. But just going through the the, the trials of this, what happens in the campaign, is it shouldn't really like change what that end goal is too much for the most part. Yeah. So having the end goal in mind for Kef is is always there, and then just trying to figure out well, now that this has happened to me, what do I have to do in order to continue towards that end goal? Other right. characters I've made, um, I've done, I've done especially for my first character, I've done the whole, all right, well, this is what I want him to do, and I want him to be able to accomplish this, and then he has to do this, and then get this, and then he'll end up this. And that's it's it's makes such good sense. It's perfect. Now I just need the DM to do it exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't going to happen. And then you play happen. a session, and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> nope, this isn't going nope. as I planned. <laughs> So, so I, that, that's why that's only happened with my first character. <laughs> After that, right, I was like, yeah. never mind, we're not doing that. So instead of planning out everything, I just plan out the end. So I know where I want to end up. And then everything right. else is just working towards that. Right. Because you can tell the DM, like, look, this is, what I want, this is what I want to have happen ultimately to this character. I want them to achieve this lifelong goal of theirs. Or I want them to, to do this dream and whatever it is. Right, And then everything else is just leading up to that or working towards that. And if the DM knows what you have in mind, they can throw things at you that you can work around or work over, Yeah, but still end up going in the same direction of your goal. Whereas if you're like, all right, DM, in this session, <laughs> I need to do this. In the next session, I need to be able to fight this guy. And then yeah, I need yeah. him to do this. You're like, well, no, that's... <laughs> you're not the <laughs> what, DM. What you are describing there is <laughs> yeah, a video yeah. game. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Where you are also in control of the story. Uh, right. Which you kind of are as a player, but not, yeah. not as much as the person who is literally telling you what happens in the story. Right. I think the, like, <clears throat> I mean, I've, here we go again, but Dungeons and Dragons is a cooperative storytelling experience between the players and the DM. Uh, um,. And a but key part I, of that storytelling experience is communication, especially right. with the DM. Yeah. Also, also to the other players, which is what didn't happen with my "is it a surprise round" bit, uh, right? Which should have happened. Looking at it in hindsight. Yeah. But not only should you talk to the other players, you should definitely talk to the DM 
Because if the DM doesn't know you want to do something, then they won't right. set that up for you. Yeah. But like, they also it's... don't need to tailor the whole campaign to fit your backstory. Right. <laughs> Gosh. that's That just opens another can of worms with, like, I've... I've tried so hard to figure out ways to make Kef's backstory relevant, but it's just like, yeah, he's basically from a, the, all, everything that's relevant to him is across the continent. So, uh, well, not across the whole continent, but very yeah. far away. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I have plans. Well, ultimately, you don't have but. to tie in everything that he was a part of. This is more of like a, a big old pilgrimage for him. He's just right. going out, seeing the world, gaining experience, getting training, growing stronger. So right. at the end of this, whenever that is, he can go back to his tribe and see, look, I'm all strong now. Right, yeah. So you don't have to, we don't have to go to the monastery and be like, hey, Kess Monk guys, friends, you want to help us do this thing? Right, yeah. And you don't, we don't have to do that because it's not integral to who he is in that sense. Yeah, yeah. This uh, leads perfectly into one of the other topics that I've realized that I brought up with everyone else, but uh, haven't yet brought this up with you. You were just um, waiting for that perfect segue that we just had. Yes, it was perfect because uh, you had been talking about, you, you mentioned talking about, like, it, talking with the DM, making sure he, there's communication that way to understand. Um how involved do you think or do you like to have the DM involved, like, with character creation or um, even as you're developing your character, like, when you're playing the campaign? Because um, I, I find that's different for different people. Like, some people don't really like to involve the DM quite as much as others. Well... I recently had my very first DMing experience as a DM. And uh, I know in, when I was the DM, I kind of let the characters, the players rather, do whatever they wanted f for the most part of character creation and then tell me their character ideas. And then I would work with them, maybe tweaking them if they needed to be tweaked to fit into the world that yeah. I was DMing. So, like, you can come up with whatever unique story you want. I just have to supply maybe some minor details so that right. they make sense in this context, which I enjoyed as the DM. Uh, as a player, I usually have found it to be a very similar situation where I'll, I'll come up with the whole character that I have, and then I'll take it to the DM and say, this is the character I've got. How does this fit with what the story is you're trying yeah. to tell? <laughs> right. Um, especially with this campaign where I'm like, I'm not from anywhere near you guys where the right. story is. I didn't train anywhere near where the story is happening. Right. So it was a lot of, all right, well, how are you here then? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which, I can work with that. I can work with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make, I'll make it make sense. Yeah. Um, this kind of goes back with, uh, I mean, you've you said you've listened to li at least a little bit to what um, the, what you and Nick the were about. yeah with like building in quote unquote handles for your character. I don't think I got that uh, far yet, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the one of the topics that we cover in that discussion is like 
as a PC, uh, you want to build in specific things that your DM can touch on in order to like integrate your character in with the story. Um, I probably go overboard with that sort of thing in character creation. Like I basically create kind of a generic framework type thing with major events and essentially say, okay, here's a bunch of things that I haven't filled in about my backstory. Go nuts with these. Um, for example, I, I, I guess what I try to do is I try and keep the backstory from the, um, from the character's perspective. And so um, one of the things that we, we did was, uh, or the, like one of the things from Nick's campaign is I basically just told him, yeah, my character was betrayed. Like, I don't know why. Feel free to do whatever you want with it. <laughs> and that's how we end up with Aaliyah is Barnum's sister. Yes. <laughs> um, which wasn't we a bad thing. No. no, no, no. It was still a fun uh, re revelation. But, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't have any issue with that at all. It's just like I was just gonna comment. Like, I don't think we brought that up to the audience. Like the the audience. There, there's some there's some background information that you know. If you to the other people that skip this episode, they don't they don't know what you know. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about we talked about it maybe twice total. This being the yeah, third time. That's true. One of which was in the in the last uh, I think it was like episode thirty six was we brought that up with the the precognition because I I commented oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. the bugbears killing us yeah that's true and you're like ah oh, that's weird because <laughs> he works with bugbears oh so it's totally his bugbears yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um actually that might but, be episode uh, but that's beside the point. But yeah, we yeah, brought, yeah, we brought it up then, and I think we brought it up one other time. Yeah, it, and we might have brought it up like when Aaliyah was introduced, but no one had a like a concept for who Barnum was until yeah. we brought him into the episode. Because Jeremy uh, likes reusing characters from other campaigns. I do it as a <laughs> nod for characters. Yeah, I mean, at it's the same time, it's not a nod if the audience doesn't know what they're from. It's, no, 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 not it's, not for the audience. It's, it's for, for the us. players. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you're excluding the audience in this private joke we're sharing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the 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 trick is to get them, introduce them to these characters, and then they're in on the joke. Except they'll but. never know the context of the joke because we don't have that on a podcast yeah well <laughs> i i really like basically just handing over the reins to some of my backstory to the dm most of the time uh just because as a player like i i really enjoy coming into situations where my character like has a certain set of experiences um and the DM can take, like, kind of change some background information as to why those experiences happened. And my character has to, like, freaking reevaluate his life um, based off of that. So, like, the reason why... Um, the, yeah, the reason why this character betrayed my, like, my character in the other campaign and, like, him having to deal with, okay, 
now that I know this information, what the heck am I going to do with this? <laughs> is things that I really, really enjoy when I'm when I'm like playing. Um, See, I like to know that sort of stuff ahead of time, or if. I like to come. I like to write. I like to do that when I come up with my backstory. Be like, all right, my character was betrayed by this person for this reason. Uh, but if I couldn't, if I uh, needed some sort of, I don't know, if I couldn't think of that specifics or anything, I would go to the DM and say, well, what do you think I should do? Like, I've got this thing. Like, he's betrayed, and I just need to know why. And he would yeah. ask ask for uh, suggestions for that. But I I like to write most of my backstory and just leave some of the details up to the D DM like places mm -hmm. and names maybe where yeah. it's like, all right, I know that I'm, uh, have it out for this person. I don't know where this person lives or something, or like, I don't know the name of the town. Or yeah. Yeah. Just the, that sort of stuff. Or if it's like, uh, minor plot points, they're like this, some, something happened to him and now, and now he feels like this. I, if I can't think of anything, I'll just be like, DM, what do you think it should be? Just, right. Just to help fill it in. But I, I would have already had the main structure of the backstory already filled out ahead of time so that I can think about these things when I'm not playing and I can uh, go back and be like, all right, well, when this does come up, how am I going to respond? And I can have that already prepared rather than have to do it on the fly. Gotcha. <laughs> Where it's like the DM's like, and surprise, now this has happened. If it's yeah, something yeah. having to do with my character's backstory, because if it's my character's backstory, it means my character's already done it, which means uh, they should already know about it, which means I should already know about it for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I, I guess from my perspective, I'm I'm very much more of an improv player. Like I like to be surprised uh, with things from my own backstory. So I like uh, to be surprised by things, just not necessarily things from my backstory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't mind reacting in a scene in the moment to some new stimulus or something or having an event take place. And you're like, oh, now we've got to figure out this thing now. But if it's right. something that I should have already known about, I'd like to already sort of have how I feel about it ready. It's like I already know how this character would feel about this sort of thing because they've had all these years or months or however long to think about it. Yeah. Whereas if you're like... And this is why, surprise, how do you react? Go. Well, I, I, <laughs> I may be involved in improv acting with my Renfair. That doesn't mean I'm very good at it yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. See, I, I love that stuff. Like, like finding... I, I can enjoy doing it. It just, oh, man. If I, I'm always afraid I'll just do it wrong. Or I'll come up with something on the fly and realize later, you know, that actually doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know why I would have <laughs> done that. It's oh, like, why, why was I angry about this? That actually seems yeah, like a yeah, good yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I'm the it's, opposite. It's much harder to go back and be like, never mind. I wasn't actually upset that you told me this. Instead, I was feeling this way. Because it's, it's harder to redo that sort of thing. It's, it's a lot easier to just be like, oh, I I forgot to roll this die. Let me just quick add another five hit points yeah, to yeah. my total. <laughs> it is to be like, hey, remember that thing that happened 10 minutes ago that was part of the story we gotta erase that version of it and here's a new version of it and i'll continue with the stories if nothing ever happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's interesting because like i that's that's uh 
my my the way that I play is very much the opposite of that. Like, if you want to throw stuff at me, that's like, oh, by the way, I'm completely like recoloring something that you that your character thought was true about the world i'm like yes bring it on like let me try and handle this as a character like how the frick is my character going to understand that you know the person that he's like grown up with this whole time has actually been evil or like i don't know something stupid like your father yeah yeah like and if I'm not like, and I'm not privy to that information, that's ah man, I love that stuff. Which is exactly what happened in A New Hope. The script, yeah, yeah. All, the, all the script said uh, Obi Wan killed your father, which is like okay, yep, that makes sense as a big reveal. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that wasn't the actual twist, and so right. Lucas tells Hamill right before they shoot the scene, "No, no, Darth Vader is your father." And then that was they got his genuine reaction, which you would have loved to do in that situation because Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, throw it at me. Twist twist it up. Yeah. I'm 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 down for that. Like I ah oh, man. I I love that. I love that stuff. Like it, reacting on the fly as to getting new information. Like, oh man. But that's that's good to know from a DM perspective that you don't really like me doing that. Yeah, don't change my like, backstory too much. I've worked on it for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for the parts I told you you could change. <laughs> I told yeah, you you exactly. Could yeah, episode zero when you nearly killed off my master. Like, hey, now, don't you be doing that. <laughs> I had to try really hard to save his life <laughs> after that happened because I, I don't know if you realized, oh, no, I shouldn't have touched his master. <laughs> but But I was like, no, no. I'm going to find him, and I'm going to make sure he's okay. Because <laughs> um, I don't want you to kill him in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'd, the, the, the plan was very much not to kill him off. Okay, um, okay. It, it, like, it seemed like you were like, uh, like, all right, and then everything explodes, and you come to, and there's nobody, and you see a couple bodies, and like, oh, no, he's killed off my master. Now what? <laughs> See, then, the, then it, it wasn't such a much oh yeah you turn over this rubble and there he is he's all right he's a little hurt but he'll be fine it was yeah, like yeah. you're gonna have to roll to find him and make sure he's okay so you're okay with me failing that roll <laughs> yes maybe um, i wasn't okay with me failing that roll. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ever think about I, that jeremy no and that's the thing like that 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 specific like circumstance is like exactly um it, it highlights the the differences in how we how we play because I I built that up to be like how I like to you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. uh, play because um, if you were me you would have been like and the DM was just like and then your master just freaking dies <laughs> you would have been like whoa <laughs> yeah yeah like no no I I I would rather you not yeah, kill yeah. off the first five seconds of the game right. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your tragic backstory. We're making it now. Wait, I already I had a tragic backstory. I don't need I two of them. <laughs> I didn't create it. This wasn't the tragic. Supposed to be the tragic part. Yeah. Like I could, I could understand if, because that that took place seven years before the campaign officially starts. If at during the during the course of the campaign, if we meet him and stuff happens, and then an encounter occurs and he dies. Right, while right. we're playing the game and the story is currently progressing, that's different. Right, seeing us how this the seven years ago 
was like a flashback and it's i would consider that um, still technically part of like the backstory because it's not yeah, the present yeah. day yet so the uh the events actually not the the events in your uh story actually none none of that was seven years ago actually um i'm trying to think what uh i know Yakegs was seven years ago oh right? yeah yeah Yakegs was uh but uh, uh obviously lucas wasn't um isaiah well, met up Isaiah was with. was at the court when Yakeg was at the court, and then Yakeg left, found his brother dead, and came back, and Isaiah was gone. Yeah. Um, so, so that all sort of happened in the same time period. Yes. Um, and then we like so I I guess this <laughs> this shouldn't be where I'm explaining the timeline in an interview episode, but that's <laughs> the fine. episode title: The Timeline Explained with Josh Kitchen. Yeah, the timeline explained. Okay, so. <laughs> The, the 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 events of the the campaign start basically from a it, the seven years ago the events of yak eggs uh scene happen things go down uh he finds his brother like yak egg finds ricky dead um and the whole thing with Isaiah being at the court and doing stuff happens Fast forward seven years and everyone else's stuff happens because um, your stuff is the like the impetus for you going out to like try and find uh, a what way to the man in the white um, cloak. Yeah, basically try and leave. It's it's the it's the impetus for you to to leave yeah, your to leave monastery. The monastery and begin the pilgrimage. Um, the uh basically the same thing it's the same thing for Isaiah with the whole catastrophe like shipwreck. the whole shipwreck and everything the mutiny that whole thing um Lucas's was basically like that is where the the adventure proper kicks off cuz um, he's making the crew right cuz doesn't Lucas meet up with Zaya. Yeah, Lucas Lucas runs into Isaiah and Isaiah's like, "Hey, I want to be involved in this." And then like if you th that's when we did the whole Yakeg joins in because he overhears or like thinks Isaiah owes him money or something and because <laughs> he and rolled then they all and realized, "Oh, we're all looking for the same person." Right. Okay, let's all join together. And then Kath enters the picture being like Well, before that the uh the d disaster north of Red Lark happens. Um, whatever that town was that gets destroyed or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the succumber. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. At which point, Keth hears about it, and as and the three other people hear about it, and they all converge on Red Lark. Right. At which point, yeah. Keth gets to go. Wait a second. I think we're looking for the same guy. Exactly. So, um. But yeah, so I guess to clear that up, the the only thing from like seven years ago was uh, Yak Egg's initial episode zero. Everything else has been roughly in the present. So there we go. Timeline explained. I mean, we're already going talking about the timeline anyways, so might as well. So they didn't do it. The cult didn't do anything for six years after they blew up Ricky. Ricky. They just, they didn't do anything. Um, nothing, nothing. 
so <laughs> up, up until they did three things all in the same year. I mean the the whole point with the um this will probably get cut. I'm just curious now. Yeah, so um <laughs> the the whole point with Ricky was like this is when they first like start notice the cult activity. And then for the most part to the general populace it has largely been seen as just natural disasters, like or freak supernatural disasters, I'll say. <laughs> um, whereas uh, to Jonathan and Christopher and everyone kind of in the know, they can tie it pretty much back to cult activity. So, like, there have been other things going on. Like, okay. the uh, most of the supernatural disasters, I like, I had... I mean, the whole thing that kind of kicked off this camp, it kicked off the the information that was given to Lucas is that, like, all these supernatural disasters are happening, and uh, the person who you later find out is Jonathan has been at almost all every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so th- I guess the, the short answer is, yes, those things have been happening, like, even over the seven-year time frame skip, whatever. Um it's just it's not really known why these things are happening to the general uh public that makes sense but, anyway yeah. back to the the thing we're currently <laughs> doing yeah yeah um i'm trying to think of other like general uh topics about to Kath or character like how you play specific characters um in general i'm trying to think of the other tangents we've gone on (laughs) with uh, some of the other play uh some of the other players uh have you talked about the voice acting actually no we haven't um maybe a little bit i think uh, i think we touched on it just a tad with um jake but that's definitely something that we can uh (laughs) <laughs> we can touch on because uh apparently i'm only capable of two voices uh gruff or british <laughs> you did you did pull out some goblin which I'd, that's yes. the only in way the, i can describe that voice is a goblin yes in the <laughs> recent in the recent episode i broke out the goblin which i was fairly proud of i, I i'm that's looking to expand voice. i was looking to ex- uh, i'm looking to expand the voices that i do besides just you know english and gruff Gruff, <laughs> but uh, the uh, the the um, uh, Undertaker's leader had a uh, a different voice as well. And t- uh, you did slip into Gruff a little bit, but yeah, you got yeah, you got yeah. back on track. Yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> but I was more, I was more talking about the um, the player side. Yeah, yeah, of absolutely. The, <laughs> the voice acting. Yeah, I I just mentioned that yeah. just because I it's been a joke. But yeah, yeah. Because um, I think with Keth, it's probably most obvious that this yeah. not how I talk regular. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is why we invent. Well, it's, it's kind of how Josh got invented into the game, because I keep talking out of character. Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard to convey idea in character. Yeah. <laughs> Which is my fault. I know. I'm bad at the game. All right. <laughs> 
no, I think I think it's uh, it, it's it's interesting because like it, that I guess that is something definitely something we can talk about is um, you, like the the self imposed restrictions like that and kind of how how you deal with that and uh, uh, like some creative ways that you've thought of or if you're still kind of trying to figure out how to accurately convey this inf the information or um, how 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 does Keth's uh, limited vocabulary impact your role play uh, it is definitely had an impact on the role play seeing as <laughs> how I'm unable to convey complex ideas very articulately yeah all of which are pretty much words Keth can't say um, yes <laughs> I mean I always try, and this is just me, because I've acted uh, plenty of times previously, aside yeah. from d and I always try to give all of my characters a voice, preferably mm -hmm. different voices, because that keeps them straight in my head, let alone other people's heads. <laughs> right. But I always try to give all of my characters a voice so that I can have something that differentiates them from me. Uh, yeah. Of course, yeah, if you're if you're new especially or if you're not don't feel very confident in coming up with 10 different voices if you're playing 10 different characters you could just make their voice your voice it's perfectly fine i just like to do it since uh we have never used <laughs> first of first off not we have never all been together in the same room uh except until very recently and <laughs> we have don't use minis or battle mats for that very reason is right. that we are never all physically present, so we have always done it, done our gameplay via a Discord call, or a, a Facebook Messenger call, or an audio-only format. Although we did right. try using video calling for a little bit, but there was no, we didn't have like any representation of our character other than how we presented them. Right. So I always try to come up with a voice. So I'm like, all right. Uh, I gotta come up with a voice for a half orc. Perfect. I'll just take the orcs from Skyrim because I love the way that they talk. All right. deep and gruff and good thing that you came back and the book is unharmed. Mr. Yeah. Gruff, <laughs> whatever his name is in the Arcanium. From yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> Wizard, the, the Mage's College. Um, uh, like, I like that voice and it fits. It's perfect orc voice. But yeah, obviously, uh, Keth did not grow up around humans. He didn't learn common first. He would have learned Orcish first. So Orcish is his first language, not common, which I took to mean, all right, so he doesn't speak common as good as he speaks Orcish. Right. So I was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll have broken common instead. And then you get this, where he talk pretty good most of the time, but not perfect all the time. You know most words... At least understand most word. Not very good at saying most word. Yeah. Which is, is, uh, I mean, I did this to myself and I know that. I, <laughs> I wanted to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he can understand for the most part, he can understand very well. It's the matter of then uh, expressing his thoughts and ideas that other people can understand. That was the tricky part. <laughs> Yeah. Which I kind of liked. Yeah, yeah. 
I really like those restrictions because it causes you to role play in different ways to lean less on like just saying what what you want to say, but also like, um, for example, if your verbal communication is not great, you could switch to like basically trying to describe your character doing nonverbal communication in order to get the point across or something along those lines, um, <laughs> which is uh, I. I really like those restrictions. Like I, 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 I really enjoy things that make you uh, think about role play differently, just like a, from a different frame of mind. Um, I would say though that if you are a newer player, and especially if you're not very confident in coming up with voices, maybe don't hinder your ability to speak to other people in yes. the group in character, anyways. Because um, obviously, I yeah. can, I could talk out of character and speak perfectly fine to everybody. Right. But being able as a character to communicate ideas to other characters uh, is very important in our collective role playing game. Right. <laughs> Where we're trying to work together, usually for the most yeah. part, towards a common goal uh, and being unable to to effectively speak or otherwise communicate with the rest of your party may prove mm -hmm. problematic. <laughs> yeah. Like Which may become an issue in the upcoming episodes after I have terribly mistranslated that Elvish script. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, I, I guess if you're just learning the game, I'd probably shy away from actively making your own <laughs> actively job. Actively doing stuff more... har harder than yeah. it has to be. <laughs> right. Like, I, I, I mean, the, the reason we, for example, it, I know that for the most part, uh, like I'm trying to think of a good example. Like I don't tend to min max stats, but for the most part, like I don't do anything too drastic cause, um, but, uh, like don't, <laughs> don't purposely make your job harder than it has to be. If you're just learning, um, you can think of interesting ways to portray your character traits, but I, I w would caution you away from, at least for your first character, uh, like actively making your job more difficult. Like learning the game is difficult enough after you have a little bit under your belt. Um, you can e you could even work with the DM to be like, hey, um what if my character loses a limb? <laughs> yeah. Or, or something along those lines. Or gets his lines. face burned off. Yeah. <laughs> Which or, happened to a, in a different campaign to a yeah. character. Right. Or dies, like what happened to my character. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you just are tired of your character, just ask the DM to kill off your character. No. Uh, or, or ask to leave, which happened with a different one of my characters. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you, if you want to have some sort of, I don't know, uh, handicap on your character as play as a newer character, as a newer player, you don't have to codify that handicap with actual mechanics. <laughs> you yeah. can just be like, I'm just going to describe the handicap, but it doesn't actually hinder me in any way. Right. Like, all right. Maybe they talk with a lisp or they don't speak common very well or they have some sort of uh, physical ailment of some sort you don't actually right. have to 
uh, like you don't have to actually make that part of the character via their stats and scores and abilities and any of the mechanical aspects of the character you can leave it exclusively in the role play section so it doesn't actually hinder the character from performing the way that they're supposed to right it's it's more of just pretend that they've got a a limp or something or they're missing an eye but they don't actually Um, have any disadvantage to vision checks (laughs) <laughs> which if they were going like right by the book you um, could be like no no dm i want disadvantage on any perception checks that rely on sight because he's missing one eye uh, if you really want to do that right okay but maybe just maybe just say he's missing an eye and then just take your perception checks normally yeah we do that because we have enough experience with the game and want to spice things up a little bit just to make things more interesting um so i I definitely wouldn't recommend that to a new player (laughs) um because you you can still create interesting characters for for like as a new player um without going to those things that make your job more difficult it's just like um, cause you, like I said, you're still trying to figure out kind of the, the ins and outs of the game and how to role play in general. Um, I think, uh, you'll, you'll find a voice for that character, um, figuratively speaking or literally speaking, uh, as you play out that character. That's basically what happened with, um, my one of my i guess first like long running characters uh well yashrin um is like i kind of just did at, at this point his voice is basically my own voice just because i couldn't decide on a voice for him which is a <laughs> but, completely valid strategy yeah I didn't start off with him being my, like, main character, uh, like, the main, like, first first main character, I'll say, um, by giving him any disadvantages when it came to personality. But as I've, like, kind of gone along, I've started to build more um, things into the characters that I make. And interestingly, Yashrin has developed into having those things. Which so even if you don't start off with that, as you get more experience with the game, you can recognize some things that you can build into your character later. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we want to wrap up on. Um, I would talk about like retiring characters, but I haven't done that yet ever. So <laughs> I've had one character die. Uh, yeah. Other than that. <laughs> And I have one character in another in the other game that, um, I mean, I don't I don't think I'm gonna go back and play them again. I mostly yeah. had them as a placeholder until my following character was finished being yeah, created. Yeah. Uh, in which case, I kindly asked the DM to give my character literally any reason to stay behind while the rest of the party <laughs> moved on. And, yeah, uh, perfect. The rest of the party moves on. My character stays behind. I leave them alone. And then I pull out my new character sheet and we're ready to go. Right. But like the character that died. And I would say if you ever make a character and you enjoy playing the character and you like the character, uh, even if they die or whatever in one campaign and you're playing a separate campaign, maybe you've got a different group of friends that you're playing this game with. 
just pull the old character back out again unless yeah of course you have some sort of thing where it's like no no if that character dies i can never touch them again but i sure why not are you saying you've played dorn with other people no but i have played tordek with other people oh because okay. tordek was my first character and then i brought him yeah back i was for gonna say like i I, th- I thought he was like already a character for yeah. you Tordek was my yeah. first character ever made. The dwarven, the dwarven fighter, Tordek Iron Fist, and yeah. <laughs> um, had a bit of, had like two or three session reprise in uh, one of our other games. But um, yeah, yeah, because just because I already had the character ready and I enjoyed playing him back when I right. played him the first time, so I'm like, yeah, want to play him again? Why not? It's a different game with different people. They've never seen him before, and I like him already. So just do that. Uh, right. But Dorn, I also had at least i had the the basic the ba- i had the name and i had all of the ability scores and the abilities done from a different campaign uh i changed i think i completely changed his backstory for the yeah. uh the new campaign i updated it because i didn't really like the backstory i had originally also yeah. some stuff happened in that campaign that changed the character sheet and like no no we're gonna undo those things go back to go back to how he was <laughs> uh and then i brought him in for the that other that game where he died so obviously he's not coming back in that game anytime soon <laughs> until right. we get a, a, a true resurrection or whatever it is, uh, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I haven't I haven't reused any of my other characters. Uh, not to say I haven't created other characters. I've got a whole folder on my laptop of different character sheets for PDFs of uh, fifth edition character ideas. That have already been pretty much started at level one. Um, like I think I, I may have taken uh, Ithar off of a uh, a level one wizard build that I had. I'm like, as a level yeah. one wizard, I just kind of have these sort of things starting out with. I just changed the name, and then obviously we had we weren't at level one in that side quest, but so I yeah. leveled them up and everything. But I pretty much already had something ready to go. And I just changed, tweaked some things around. I think I've got a few other character concepts in my <laughs> in my computer that haven't uh, haven't seen the light of day yet. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think I like most of the time. My my like okay. <laughs> if one of my character dies, uh, I I'll I don't have a character sheet like ready to go. <laughs> um. Not to say that like I'm super opposed to having that happen it's just like i i guess i i typically just create one on the fly anyways it's like oh that's an interesting idea let's run with that everyone jeremy here i just want to thank you for listening to this interview we hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoy making this for you and if you did enjoy it share it with other people please please and if you want to interact with the community and interact with us you can find us on any of the three social media platforms that i am about to read to you facebook we are we have a facebook page table quests we are on twitter at table quests using the hashtag table quests to talk about the show so that we can see it 
Um, and also, we have a subreddit, r slash tablequests, where you can also talk about the show and share your fan theories and a bunch of other stuff. With that, we just want to once again thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Tune in next week for our return to Fate's Gambit. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>
most jokes are rooted in truth, so I mean... <laughs> If you have any feedback or want to get involved uh, to, you know, involve, talk about. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. <laughs> talk about that thing. Blah, 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 no. Um, uh, Cthulhu is making an appearance, guys. 